there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of the Cognitive Canine, and this is called Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute before your podcast starts to talk about something very important to me. Black Lives Matter. I, Sarah Strumming, am committed to anti-racism and the companies that I oversee, the Cognitive Canine and Cogdog Radio, are also committed to anti-racism. I recognize my privilege here and I recognize that I have a platform where I can use my voice and I intend to do so in such a way that combats systemic racism because it absolutely affects the field of dog training and it's time that everybody with a platform uses it for good. I'm gonna link a list of resources for ways that you can support black indigenous and people of color and also just some educational resources that I've found helpful in my anti-racism journey And I hope that we can all stand together to dismantle racism in dog training and therefore in the world. Cheers. Hey guys, I'm doing a new program that I'm calling Wednesday Night Chats. This is a Facebook Live that'll be happening every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific on my business page, which is on Facebook. It is facebook.com slash thecognitivecanine. I hope that you'll join me over there. We're going to be talking about basically all things what to do with dogs in a pandemic. How do we prepare our dogs for when our lives go back to normal? How do we socialize puppies right now? And if we can't get out to do a decompression walk, what are we supposed to do? So join me over there. It's a free program, but I am accepting donations for it. All the details will be included each week. So that's facebook.com slash the cognitive canine Wednesday nights at 5 p.m. See you there. All right, today's topic is based on somebody's Facebook post that I saw. And basically it was about um, exercise is not the same as behavior modification and should not be used as a substitute for behavior modification. And that's so true. And so I wanted to get on here and kind of clarify my thoughts because I recommend appropriate exercise for basically all of my client dogs and all of you. I'm always talking about decompression walks. I'm always talking about the right kind of exercise and its effects on behavior. And exercise does have really big effects on behavior, but it is not the same as active behavior modification. So I want to kind of piece that out, um, figure out what's what. So here we go. The idea of just exercising the dog... um, kind of makes me think of, you know, that guy who had a TV show about training dogs, and I put training in quotations there. Maybe you know who I'm talking about, maybe you don't, but um, basically stating that dogs really require big amounts of exercise in order for any behaviors to change. And there are a lot of trainers who exist who will exercise the dog like within an inch of their life to get them to stop doing whatever the thing is because the dog is literally too exhausted to do anything else. A lot of people will, you know, put them on a treadmill and keep them on a treadmill until they're literally literally exhausted. And I don't think that's ethical. And I also don't think it's helpful. 
in order for exercise to stop a long reinforced behavior pattern, the dog needs to be experiencing actual exhaustion because exhaustion will dampen anyone's behavioral repertoire, okay? So if I am exhausted, which is certainly a feeling that I know well, um, I behave less, okay? So if I'm exhausted, I do fewer things. I do let, I participate in less behavior. Uh, the behaviors I'm gonna choose are behaviors that serve to meet that immediate need, which is rest. And behaviors that serve to meet that immediate need for dogs tend to be behaviors we like, okay? So if they need to rest, they lie down on a dog bed or in the corner and they don't bother us. Or maybe they go to their crate. They don't bark at the front door. That takes a lot of energy. So certainly exhausting them will show you this um, temporary dampening of their entire behavioral repertoire. That is not sustainable or kind. So I don't know about you, but I hate to feel exhausted. Appreciate kind of getting tired at the end of the day. It's time to wear down, to wind down. That's completely different from, you know, being in air travel transit for 14 hours or whatever and arriving wherever I was going and just being wiped, right? So that feeling, being forced into that feeling every day would not be good. I also wouldn't appreciate being kept on a treadmill until I was ready to fall over. I don't think that anybody would think of that as a kind um, thing to do to a person or a dog. So it's not sustainable and it's not kind. So we don't want to do it. So how then is exercise supposed to be used appropriately in a behavior modification protocol? Well, in my opinion, um, and honestly, this extends past my opinion, but this is what I typically say is that exercise is a basic need of all of us, of um, ourselves as well as our dogs. And most dogs do not have adequate access to the right kind of exercise. And I, this is not just pet dogs, you guys. This is not just your neighbor whose pet lab sleeps on the couch all day until he gets home from work. This is also sport dogs. When I ask brand new sport clients what kind of exercise their dogs get, really frequently the answer is, well, they go to agility class and I might do some uh, workouts, some fitness workouts, which that's like, that's a newer development. But the dogs are, you know, generally speaking, maybe not getting walked every day and definitely not getting walked off a leash every day. And these are your high power dogs that actually have higher needs for exercise than your neighbor's dog that lays on the couch all day. When you have behavior problems, you need to look at all areas of wellness and this area needs to be seriously considered. I often have clients who fight me on this. In fact, I'm gonna say of the four steps to behavioral wellness, which are exercise, enrichment, nutrition, and communication, of the four steps, this is the step I am fought on the most. This is the step that makes people the most uncomfortable. Um, and it is the step that people are the most skeptical of. So they believe me fully that their dog should be eating good high quality food and be having good nutrition. Nobody argues with that. I don't push any specific type of diet down anybody's throat, although I 
promote a fresh food diet. Um, and nobody disagrees with the fact that that's important. Communication, everybody knows that's important. In fact, that's usually where my clients want to dive right in first. They're having a communication problem um, with their dog if they contact me. Enrichment, people are kind of into that. People like giving their dogs puzzle toys, like giving their dogs things to think about. Interestingly, it is not fought as much as exercise. And I think the reason that I'm fought so hard on it is because I maintain that off-leash or on a long line and harness in nature is the best kind of exercise for the vast majority of dogs and is the kind of exercise that most dogs are really missing out on. And if you're, you know, one of my students whose dog is maybe a little barky lungy, maybe a little difficult to walk in suburbia, those dogs usually are the most exercise deprived because they're hard to exercise, they're hard to take out. And that really becomes a vicious cycle because usually those dogs need it the most. So let's talk about some of the behavior problems that increased appropriate exercise. So once again, appropriate exercise, not, you know, throw them on a treadmill and keep them there until they're ready to pass out. Um, the behavior problems that I see often improve with exercise alone are as follows. And this is all anecdotal. Obviously, this is just based on my experience with my client dogs and my own dogs. The behavior problems are anxiety-based things, so like generalized, but also focused anxiety is improved with appropriate exercise. Intra-household aggression, so dogs that fight with other dogs in the house, decreases with appropriate exercise with one exception if the dog is attacking other dogs in the house because he's in orthopedic pain um, then exercise stands to make it worse because it might make the orthopedic pain worse and so that needs to be addressed separately the the collection of behaviors that we would lump under the label reactivity so barky lungy stuff improves with appropriate exercise general kind of lack of the ability to self-regulate. And self-regulating is something that I'm doing a lot of thinking about right now. There's an upcoming episode as well as an upcoming Wednesday night chat about self-regulating behaviors. So kind of stay tuned on that. I think that um, we think of self-regulation as impulse control, this kind of idea that we refer to as impulse control. And I, I'm thinking of it differently. And so um, more, more on that later. And then what I would call frantic behaviors. So frantic greetings of dogs or people. So those hypersocial dogs, frantic behaviors in sports or frantic responses to sudden environmental change. And frantic is just defined as um, explosions of energy that do not seem to have a focus. Okay, so reactivity is kind of an explosion of energy that is targeted at something. Whereas I would call frantic behavior is just kind of an explosion of energy in general. So um, for instance, I've got a client dog who will go and just wildly hump his dog bed even though he's neutered and he doesn't really engage in that behavior any other time right after a training session. And I'm gonna call that frantic behavior. All of these things are improved with appropriate exercise. And I cannot stress enough that I'm talking about decompression walks here. I am not talking about get more steps in. I'm not talking about get on some fitness equipment. I'm talking about 
dirt time, okay? Time logged under trees on the dirt. So, however, you know, exercise alone is never gonna be enough. So it must accompany a true behavior modification plan if what you're experiencing is not directly related to lack of exercise, which I certainly have client dogs whose entire behavioral repertoire improves just by making sure that they get the right amount of exercise. And little hint, I have a case study coming up um, that I'm mapping out right now about a dog who falls under that category. Also, recognize exercise as what I call it, and not just what I call it, but what is called a distant antecedent. So what are antecedents? They are the environmental factors um, that set the stage for certain behaviors. Whether or not the dog has had enough exercise is a distant antecedent that will affect your sport training, that will affect other behaviors, that will affect household behaviors. Just like nutrition is a distant antecedent that affects everything, so is adequate exercise. Genetics are another distant antecedent. So whether or not the dog requires, you know, 10 miles off leash every other day has a lot to do with who he is and what his makeup made him. And these are all distant antecedents, which are so important for dog trainers to be considering. So in conclusion, exercise matters. It's very, very important that dogs do not get adequate exercise most of the time is cause for a lot of the most common behavioral concerns as far as I'm aware. So it should be a part of every discussion you're having whenever you're trying to change behavior. But exhaustion is not what I'm after because I'm not expecting the exercise itself to stop the behaviors that I would like to modify. All right, and now let's get into some Patreon questions. The first one is from Marilise, who says, My three-year-old Aussie girl has some barrier issues, mainly with regards to my backsliding glass doors leading to the deck, which leads to the backyard. Um, I used to use it to train or to play in the backyard, but I avoid it now due to it being a huge trigger for crazy, not fun over arousal. Leashing her first helps, but I don't always remember. Thanks for the thanks for the question, Marilise. So Okay, you have to basically teach a different behavior to do with the back door. We have the same thing. The back door is a very exciting place for all of the dogs. A couple of the dogs like to spin in wild circles at the back door if they think I'm going to open it. Um, So just train, I'm going to say just (laughs) as if it's easy, but you just want to train her to probably park herself on a station while you open the door. So I would work super, super hard on building some strong reinforcement history for a station at the back door. Um, We started out using platforms and then just morphed it to a rug. So all of our dogs will now go lie down on the rug waiting to be released. They're still insane. They're still like tightly coiled springs ready to be released, but they're not busting through my kneecaps or spinning wildly or punching the back door. So it's a compromise. Um, We also avoid the issue sometimes. So um, we try to, you know, if Leslie comes home with her dog, she'll put them in the backyard through the gate from the front yard rather than going through the house and straight to the back door because it's like, then you're double whammy. It's, oh my God, we just got home. Everything is so exciting. And we're going through the back door. So Using your leash um, is a great management tool. 
And I would do that until you feel ready to utilize that stay on the platform or the station. And I would also potentially just walk the dog around the house into the backyard if you want to train. So you can do a combination essentially of avoiding the issue as well as training an incompatible behavior. Avoiding the issue is an important part of training the incompatible behavior because if you're allowing it to continue and get reinforced, it's just going to get stronger. Next one comes from Amelia. It's kind of a long question. Um, has actually several questions woven in. So I'm going to read the whole thing and then we'll try to um, dive into each piece. So she says, happy to hear you're doing well. Thank you. I am. Uh, could you talk about what a typical day looks like for you when you get a new puppy in terms of how much attention and downtime the puppy gets? I have a three-month-old border collie and I'm trying to strike a good balance between exercise, play, and training as well as downtime in the house. But it seems like she could go on forever. I've heard people say that with border collies, you create the dog's need for exercise by how much you give them. Do you find this is true for you? I know that your dogs all get Kongs in their crates in the morning while you work. How did you get them to be okay with this schedule? My pup, like many, seems to have the most energy in the morning. I'll be going back to school in the fall, meaning my schedule won't be as centered around her as it is now. So I feel I should start to slowly integrate her into that schedule sooner than later. Okay, so first, I'm not going to go through a typical day um, bit by bit because it would vary by puppy. It would just vary on what, what my life looked like at the time and what, who the puppy was. But I do try to find a good balance of downtime and kind of passive attention as well as active attention on the puppy. Know that your puppy's three months old. So if you feel like she's got a lot of energy now, you just wait <laughs> because you haven't even got there yet. Um, I am going to answer this question that people say that you create the dog's need for exercise. I am calling 100% BS on that. I have six Border Collies. They all have very, very different exercise needs, but they all get forced kind of into my schedule when it comes to exercise. And that means that some of them are not going to get what they need on some weeks, and some of them are going to get a little extra on some weeks. Um, I completely disagree with the notion that we create exercise needs. There are so many different factors that go into exercise needs, genetics, age, um, time of year, other behavior problems, other challenges the dog might have to face all come together to create what the exercise needs are. I do think that puppies, like adult dogs, um, are chronically under-exercised because we're scared of breaking them. So. Don't be so scared of breaking your dog. Make sure that the puppy's getting some good exercise. It should be free movement type of exercise. So not marching around your neighborhood on a leash, but the kind of exercise you know I promote, which is off-leash in nature, um, kind of as much as they want. So, you know, no, don't march them for 10 miles and they're tired. Let them have as much as they feel like they want. As far as getting them used to the morning Kong schedule, when they're babies, we do something first. When they're babies, we definitely, I don't get them up, potty them, and shove them back in a crate with a Kong. That's not realistic. When they're babies, I have to get up a little earlier, um, provide them with some exercise or some training. And when they start to get a little sleepy, that's when they get a Kong in the crate. Um, or in the X-Pen, I like to crate them communally. So... Um, I don't have a puppy right now, but when I get a puppy eventually, there will be a crate in my office or an X-Pen in my office where the puppy will have their morning Kong. So they're also not isolated. 
when they get older, they can move out um, and be in the crate room with everybody else. So understand, yes, they have a lot of energy in the morning. They also have a lot of energy at night. They're crepuscular is the word for that. Um, and so you want to provide a lot of outlets in the morning and the evening and then really bank on the fact that it's natural for them to sleep during the day by providing them with some nice things to chew and some nice quiet um, downtime that is not too far from you or too isolated. So hopefully that helped. Um, good luck with your new puppy. Sounds like a great dog. All right, this comes from Jude all the way from Australia. Jude's got a question about her dog, Boo. He's a Border Collie. He's an intact male, and he's two and a half years old. Um, she says... Honestly, he's been pretty perfect up to now. In the last couple of weeks, however, he's been approached by a couple of young male entire dogs when we've been off lead. Both times he sniffed and then frozen tail up and stared at them. The second time he lifted his lip and air snapped a few times when the dog was too goofy to read his signals. What would you advise me to do in this situation? Each time I did, it's my, it's a friend, happy voice, but he wasn't convinced. My worry is he'll do this to the wrong dog and get into trouble. I've been trying to think if we've actually met any entire males and don't think we have. Most males over here are neutered pretty early. Is it something I should work on or do you think it might just be a phase he's passing through? Um, I should have mentioned he's still entire. So Jude, I do think this is right about the right age. So most intact males do start to get a little huffy with other intact males. Um, around 18 months to three years of age. It's really normal. It does matter how we handle it. The biggest thing is we have to not freak out, which I know is really, really difficult when your dog is curling his lip or making ugly faces. Um, for me with my dogs, when they go through this, I just usher them along. Come on, let's go. Let's, you know, we're, we're still walking, let's go. Like I don't stand there and stare at this interaction. I keep walking. They're going to lose me if they don't catch up. My dogs um, up until that point have been taught, have, you know, have a strong reinforcement history for staying close to me. And that generally works. If you feel like you need to intervene, um, you can use spray shield. I'm not sure if you can get it in Australia, but let me know. Uh, just a water bottle will work for most dogs um, as well. And I'm not saying spray your dog to fix his behavior. I'm saying spray something into the interaction to break up the interaction. I would reserve something like spray shield for if an altercation actually does break out because you're gonna hear about it from the owner and it's not something that you wanna deal with unless you needed to do it to keep everybody safe. It's very important that you do not get nervous about this. It's very important that you keep your voice light and happy and, and easy. I also have had success with showing affection to the strange dog myself. So going up, petting, saying, hi, Papa, how are you? And my dog is like, wait, we like him? Are you sure we like him? And then move on and call my dog to come with me. So it does become a bit of a recall issue. If you can't call him out of this kind of interaction, we want to be working on that. Other things that I've done would be to split the dogs, which is a technique I can post some videos in Patreon of where you just walk between them. You just force your body in between them. It is something that dogs do to each other to break up potentially stressful interactions. But generally speaking, Jude, you wanna, it is almost never gonna happen, right? So most of the dogs are neutered where you live. Um, and when it does happen, 
you got to take a deep breath and ask Boo to come with you and keep walking. If you do not make this a huge issue, most of them ease out of it and they might stay uncomfortable with other intact males their whole life, but that doesn't mean that they need to be aggressive. So that's my recommendation right now. Um, certainly if it were developing into a bigger problem and you needed more help than that, then we'd need to dig a little bit deeper. deeper and of course, you know where to find me. But um, what I would do is just try to try to relax yourself through it because I know that you've been through some behavior issues before that would make this really stressful for you. So try to relax through it. Try to just call Boo to come with you to just keep moving and make it less of a less of an issue, less of a thing. So hopefully that helps. And that is it for this week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe in the podcast app of your choice. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, being a part of the CogDoc Radio community, and getting access to all kinds of extras, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio to become a patron.